You're listening to Resident. Rehivasi. Kazi. Banor. Mukim. Ipua. Ritil Deganashi. Al Mukim. Residente. A 10 part series exploring individual perspectives on the immigrant experience in Ireland and the personal histories that led them here. This is episode 8 Costa. Costa. I am a chef. I was born in Albania. I was raised in Greece. And I've spent actually the longest part of my life in Ireland. I'm here since 2002. That makes 19 years. I was born in Tirana, Albania. I grew up in the suburbs of Tirana. I was the only kid in class with the name Costa. That's because I come from a region uh, which is called Himara. It's in Albania, and it's positioned on the borders between Albania and Greece. The region speaks both Albanian and Greek. It is aligned historically and consciously more with Greece rather than Albania. But they did not define themselves neither as Albanians or Greeks for, for uh, historically for a very long time. They described themselves as Himariots people from that area. The food there is so different. Like you have like homemade pasta, which you don't find in many other parts around the area. So like you have seven villages, you have a mountain range cutting off these seven villages from the rest of the world. And then you go across those mountains and you find completely different food. Well, you find Balkans food, but in Himara you find stuffed pigeons. Like you don't find stuffed pigeons in Balkan food. Like, you know, you find this beautiful salad, which is lettuce, oranges, and olives. It's sweet, it's savory, it's like, it's got everything, like, you know? You find food that came from all over because the people of Himara always emigrated. Because it was an independent state, it did did not belong to a country. It was a no man's land. So my culture is a culture of borderland. We're on the Otranto Passage, just like literally three hours on the border, we're in Italy. So Corfu is there. We have lots of tradition that came from Crete and Cretans that moved there. So like there was always that importation of, of food, of ideas, of languages. Uh, and, and that inspired me. For me, that's how society should be. Like Greek and Albanian speakers got on in Himara for centuries without a problem, until obviously the nation states of Albania and Greece popped up. And one day we're Albanian, one day we're Greek. So I'm obsessed with the idea of, of people that are on the borderland. They're actually closer to each other than they are to the mainland or to the capital how close they are to the two opposing sides. How do we move and why do we move? From from Kimara, my uh, uncle had a very good position in the Albanian government, in the communist government. Uh, He was a budding young communist, so he was first secretary of the Ministry of Education. And he literally asked for the state to allow his brothers to come to the capital because the universities were there, the better doctors there. Better everything. So, yes, that's how one of our migrations started. My background when I grew up would have been the same background that as black chicken would have in a chicken coop full of white chickens. So we spoke the same language. We didn't have a language issue, but I had a different name. So I didn't choose my name. It was my grandfather's name. <laughs> so my dad decided to name me Costa. Obviously, every other kid in the 
1980s in Albania had actually an array of names that echoed Albania's past or uh, Albania's present Marxist uh, times, because I was born in a socialist country. I also had a different outlook in life from a very early age. I liked reading books, uh, spending a lot of time by myself. I wasn't good in sports, so I was what you would call a primary school geek. So obviously, being that, I was bullied quite a lot in, in the early years. Had to do with my name, or it had to do with the fact that I actually spent most of my childhood closed in a room reading books. Both, maybe, both. When I was 12, we moved to Greece, to Athens, where there are actually half of the population of Greece has the name Costa. Thought that would be great, but turns out that being the black chicken in a white coop kind of reversed now as the white chicken, the black chicken coop, and that's because uh, I came from Albania. Like, for example, once I decided to have the opinion during history class that Alexander the Great was an imperialist, which he was. I mean, he built an empire. That didn't go down well with my classmates, who turned around and pointed the figure uh, going, you effing Albanian. So you had me standing up and saying, no, guys, I'm bearing an opinion here, and it's historical or political opinion. And what you're saying is you can't bear an opinion because you are come from a different country. Majority of the class was silent, and there were me and two and three people that were actually continuously fighting backward and forward. And I remembered very vividly what... Uh, bothered me. It was not the people that were speaking out against me, but the silent majority, because these were all people with whom I got on. We actually got on pretty much okay, and they didn't say anything at all. We all need a cause as humans, right? We, we need some kind of a, a reason for being. So my reason for being at that time was to be contrary, to be, to be unique. And it wasn't so much of a subconscious decision rather than a conscious decision because I wanted to survive, because I was being pecked on in the chicken coop. My parents were both in what you'd consider middle-class jobs. My father uh, was uh, an electronic engineer. My mother was a teacher, furniture designer, a teacher in professional schools. So those were their jobs in Albania, for which they went to university, they studied hard, and we moved to Greece. And even though they had the qualifications, they could not get similar jobs. So my mother became a cleaner. My father worked in building sites. So what uh, I suppose kind of forged my social thought was the switch. When we arrived in Greece, we arrived at the bus station and the family connections that were meant to be hosting us did not show up. So we were left on the streets with two suitcases and a box of books that included f full works of Shakespeare, because my father's a great fan of Shakespeare. So we were lucky enough to encounter a Greek family that opened their doors without knowing us and letting us sleep in their home. In their home, like unheard of. There were people that randomly showed acts of absolute, absolute kindness. Now, 14% of the Greek society voted for Golden Dawn five years ago, a neo-Nazi party. So obviously, these people were there as well. The people that voted for the Nazis were still there. So to new migrants or people that are at the moment in Ireland or somewhere in Europe, you're going to have them both. Be prepared for both. 
I passed my exams and I got a position in uh, theology school of Athens. And uh, as much as I still have an uh, interest in philosophy and theology, I decided I'm going to become a chef. My interest in food started with regards to Albania being actually a very poor socialist country. It started with uh, it started with, with poverty. It started with not having enough food, and arriving in Greece. And one of the things that we would get from different families around was uh, actually boxes of food. It is a painful memory actually to have been at the receiving end of that, of that act of uh, of generosity and charity at the same time. Because one of the most humiliating ways of being alive is being hungry. It's a very basic need. It's a very basic prerequisite for every human being. Feeling safe, feeling, feeling nourished and cared for. Anything that directly or indirectly endangers that or leads to a different path than that should need not be part of the goals of a society. So we kind of need to decide why are we doing things that we're doing. In my case, I am against... Actually, no. Forget about against. I'm pro-integration, multiculturalism, because I want to feel safe. I cook good food and I grow nice vegetables because I would like people to eat healthy food and feel good about it. So food does integrate. Boxes of food going from A to B bring people together. Uh, let's fast forward a few years and leave the gloom and, and, and doom of my adolescent years behind. Um, <laughs> I was actually in England. I was thinking what I'm going to do next. And I was going to go back to Greece. Not 100% sure exactly what, what I wanted to do in Greece. And I remember being in Liverpool and I bought this stamp. And this stamp was a commemorative stamp from 1950s of the 1916 Rising. It, it was all in Gaelic. didn't make any sense for me at the time. I asked the seller what was Oculus is from Ireland. And that, that image of this caricature of a young man rushing with, with a bayonet and a mauser, like, you know, just kind of inspired me. And I thought, that's amazing. Like, you know, here's something, there is something strongly libertarian about the existence of Ireland. I don't know any other examples where we are here the same color as our previous killer colonizers. We speak mostly the same language. I know loads of Gilgory there will be, will be roaring, but we speak mostly the same language as our previous colonizers. And yet, and yet we are so different in so many aspects from the English society. I was not able to integrate at all in the English society. And I, I lived in England for four years and a half. Maybe I just came from Greece where already I was feeling quite alienated. Maybe it was the fact that I was studying and working at the same time. It's like, it can be hard, you know, to actually make time for interaction. But I think the most, the, the, the key aspect of that was the imperial attitude. It was an attitude you do feel, like when you go into a fancy nightclub and the bouncer is dressed in a tuxedo and he just looks at you and gives you that look, that particular look, you know you're being judged. And that's the look that I was getting every time I went to an English bar. So what resonated with me at the time and the way I felt is that Irish is something you can become, not be born. And I'll say the likes of Wolfstone definitely would agree to that. Like, you know, like the likes of William Smith O'Brien would, would agree to that, you know. Being Irish is a choice of nationhood, as a stance of nationhood. It's where, where you say, okay, well, actually I stand on this tradition, 
that has on one side Maeve and another side the Battle of Clontarf and probably loads of wheeler dealers and you know like but I stand with that and that's a distinct culture and it's my choice to stand with that so that's what spurred me to look towards the other side of the Irish Sea and just say okay I can I could make this my home you know When I arrived in Ireland, I took the train from Dublin to Limerick because I started my, my journey in Ireland Limerick. And I met a lady on the train and she said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Albania. And she said, welcome to Ireland and handed me Cadbury's chocolate. I was shocked. I was, I was close to tears. Even now, the incident 20 years later does bring a certain kind of tearful... Uh, sentiment to it you know it's like like oh wow because this is the first contact that you're having with with the local populace like you know but at the same time in ireland there is a real danger with regard to racism in ireland at the moment i mean there are there are statistics that are speaking about threefold incidents of racial hate being recorded but here's the interesting part Irish racism is not so much the imperial-style racism you'd get in France or in Italy or in England. They did not hear their grandfather tell them how great they were when they slaughtered loads of, of Zulus in Africa. They did not hear their uncle tell them how great they were when they fought with, with the Waffen-SS. So this, this type of racism in Ireland is not coming from the previous generations. All they did is read the internet. It is an imported phenomenon. And yes, of course, there are always going to be the, the us and them uh, attitudes. But the, this is copy-paste from the internet. And it's instigated, propagandized by political money with a political agenda. Will, will Ireland come to a position where like, that fear of the foreigner will be instilled through continuous propaganda? It could happen. Something to be aware of and to, to, have, to keep an eye on. At the moment, I remain apolitically left. And even the use of the, the word left is, is a very generic term. Um, I remain to my heart an anarchist. There is no two ways about it. So politically, I stand in a very lonely box. <laughs> Because I don't think I don't think that many people many people agree with me. I do believe that the state, in its bourgeois form, in its capitalist form, it is there to make profit. And for as long as the heart of our business enterprise remains, how to maximize profit, the losers will be always be be the lower classes. Will you have people that rise above all and? The, new, the, the, young, the young successful entrepreneur, how true is that model? Yes, it is 100% true. But that particular person will also be able to unfairly treat other human beings. I've always been eager to help out at the community level whenever there was an initiative that would help the wider society. Uh, it, and it's, racism is one of the things that I'm interested in. Food self-sustenance is, is another thing that I'm really interested in. I wouldn't be a strict vegan, but when I hear about like mass production of animals 
and the misuse of, of our power, like, you know, our, our buying power with regards to meat production, I also have an issue with that. So my interest in food is to produce tasty food as varied as possible and as cost-effective as possible. So in the same way that I would like to have, like to see integration of foreign nutritionals everywhere, I would also like to see community gardens everywhere. I would like to see people spending more time uh, growing vegetables, building greenhouses, and less time watching TV. During the, the collapse of the Celtic Tiger, I left the hospitality industry. I worked for a multinational job with all its perks and non-perks. Non and then four years ago, I decided I'm going to let that go and go into whole food. And I wanted to cook healthy food. So I worked in different, uh, in different places. I created recipes. I started looking into, into vegan food as a challenge to begin with. And the challenge for a chef is to deliver flavor without the repetition of ingredients. You take a classic cookery book and take out meat, fish, and dairy. 80% of your cookery book is gone. You're left with 20%. Now, go South India and look at Chinese cuisine. 80% of this cuisine is vegan. And the flavor is absolutely amazing. So I'm just saying, from the 15th century till now, all we've been doing is exploring how to dismember animals and cook body parts of them in different ways. I mean, apart from the gruesomeness of it, it is repetitive. And at the same time, we've left different varieties, species of vegetation, which is quite nutritious, disappear. Like there, if you go to Greece, every village has its own variety of tomatoes, purely because they save the seeds from the previous crop. So that variety is actually linked to that particular area. That should happen everywhere. But we have ads for Tesco and you see this wonderful smiling farmer that is showing us one particular carrot. I think they're Milan carrots he has in his hands. And an endless field of one crop. One crop means that the minerals from the land are being used and reused and reused and reused to the point that in a few hundred years time, you're left with a bare land. From the moment I know how to grow vegetables, from the moment you know how to grow food, from the moment you have a relationship with Mother Earth and the land, you're more grounded. If you spend a good bit of time feeling like the manual labor, the results of manual labor, your ego dies a bit, you know? So uh, as a chef, I'm much more relaxed as I used to be, like, where I was much more, I was much more looking for an opportunity to actually showcase my, my food better, you know? So I just, I don't, I don't seem to have the need of approval anymore as much as I used to as a chef, like, you know? There is always an artistic element that the human mind finds and builds, builds a world around it, like, you know? So for chefs, it is to create amazing food. My food is not that it's extremely good looking or Michelin star, that's not my aim either. I don't have the background, uh, just to be honest. But it's damn tasty. Like, it's one of the tastiest things that you'll ever taste in your life, like if you do taste. Because I have an extremely strong palate. And I'm, I'm, I'm fully creative as well. And that's just, it's not like by coincidence or by the touch of God. It's how I experience life. And especially how I, pro how I process childhood traumas. Because I process them in, in a manner of escape, uh, uh, by using escapism as a manner of coping mechanism, I became good at telling stories. 
mal as a kid, we were good at lying, but like then uh, good at telling stories. Like I went through years of slam poetry and writing poetry, but I just gave it up at some point because it wasn't a profession. I became good at cooking and creating new dishes and creating new combinations. Like one of the things that immigrants do suffer from is, is negativity. They get tired. They get tired because like if somebody tells you to, to clean the toilets, even though it's not your, your job and you're born in the country, you think, okay, well, I'll tell this to go to a place where the sun doesn't shine. And worst case scenario, I'll stay with mom and dad. If you're an immigrant, you don't have mom and dad to stay with, with them, do you know? So you end up cleaning the toilet. So being able to overcome that is extremely important for everybody out there that's going through such experiences. Being able to be creative will help anybody overcome that. I regularly create recipes and write, um, and the fact that I'm, I'm doing that continuously is my way of, of dealing with a constant push and pull of societal waves to think, okay, so this side is trying to, to do this, which greatly displeases me. And today I'm going to cook a carrot in six different ways. I'm going to smile at that. And that's basically it. So food motivates me. It gives me a reason to wake up in the morning. Like I'm speaking about food and I'm smiling. The tone has moved from being an accusative political thinking to somebody who is inspired to actually do something with his life, you know? <laughs> so going back to why am I interested in food? Because it is creative, because it unifies us because it makes us healthy and it keeps us alive. Some people are blessed of have, with having a, a clear identity. It's a strange one. I don't think it's, it's a matter of me not knowing where I am or where I stand. It's a matter of me growing up trying to be something that I'm not, and that is much more hurtful than being something. So as a young man, obviously, I mean, I had literature behind me that, that's, that was written in Greek. I had the letters of my grand grandfathers were in Greek. So obviously I want, I want to be 100% committed and accepted by the Greek society. It didn't happen. But that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. I got, I got accepted by the part of the Greek society that matters for me, eventually, you know? At this moment, I'm tired of trying to please a public, a perceived public. So it's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one. Or maybe, do you know what? At the end of the day, identity is where, where you ate your first piece of bread. So in that case, I am Albanian. Probably completely different Albanian than, than you'd think of. Not the Albanian that you'd, you'd meet in Tirana, for example, you know? But speaking about food, and the first experience, having the taste of, of white cheese and, and black bread, that, uh, yeah, it's a taste that for me says Albanian. What I would like to happen for my children would be probably not to even have that question. I'd prefer if my children were 
Irish and remained Irish and they weren't picked on by anybody else for being non-Irish, like, you know. So I have a keen interest in the full integration of uh, non-Irish people that have arrived here, stayed here long-term and live here. It feels, it feels like it's a home I chose. It's a home I chose and I was allowed to choose. Like, I remember walking through, through Greece and I'm uh, finding writings on the wall which said, you're born Greek and you don't become. And I think Irish, you do become. Like, if you look at the, the, the historical figures of Ireland, like Connolly, he was, he was Scotsman, like, you know, he became Irish. He died for Ireland, like, you know, so. Wolfstone, like, he was Protestant, he was a wealthy family, like, if he saw himself just as a colonizer and not part of the tissue of the country, then he wouldn't have done what he did, like, you know, he wouldn't have strived for a republic, like, you know? So I think that, so yeah, I have become Irish eventually. That's it. That's that's what I will be from now on, you know? And I choose to, be, to become Irish, like, you know? That doesn't make me less Albanian. This, that doesn't wipe out my Greek heritage or culture. But primarily, yeah. Primarily, yeah. Primarily, I'm Irish. Thanks for listening. This has been a Bearprint Media production produced by Bjorn McGilla and me, Rob Flynn. Edit and mixed by me with original music by Haku Yo of Sonic Gate Studios. Special thanks to all our contributors for making this series possible. This series was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. Thanks very much for your support.